What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. It was the sound of metal clanking that stirred me from my tranquilizer-induced haze. Through blurry eyes, I saw a male figure clad in scrubs, assembling instruments on a tray. The room was a pale, sickly green that singed my pupils under harsh lighting. It reminded me of an old infirmary and was nothing like all the other deeply rich and ornately decorated rooms. I was careful not to move noticeably as I feared I would be sedated again. The room smelled overwhelmingly of bleach, but it couldn't entirely hide the sharp metallic odor of blood. After a couple of minutes, the man stepped out of the room. Faint chatter echoed down the hall. It was casual, if not subdued, and as it came closer, I heard an easy chuckle from one of the voices. Oh my goodness, a voice that was not Judith's exclaimed. She clasped her hands over her mouth. Their footsteps moved towards me and I closed my eyes. Isn't it beautiful? Judith asked. Fingers ran through my hair, kneading and tugging on the tight coils. Based on what I had seen of Morgan and Ileana, I finally understood why I was here. It was absurd, I thought, that either of these women would want my hair. Judging from the way they handled it, neither one of them would even know what to do with it. It enraged me that they thought they could just steal from us. Our bodies, our most personal possession, was to be used for what was useful to them, and what was not, discarded. She had a bit of a rough go tonight, so you can only imagine how gorgeous it will look freshly styled. So, do you want it? Judith asked. Do I? Of course, I want it all. Her fingers brushed against my lips. Will I get her lips too? She asked. I think I have a better candidate, but we would need to move quickly. I don't know how much longer she'll last. Their footsteps paced away again and I crept my eyes open. They were walking towards Morkin's limp body on a gurney. One of her arms hung off the side as if there was no care for her comfort. They hadn't even bothered to tie her down like they had done to me. She was a slaughtered cow that had been whittled down to its last useful bit and would be in the trash soon enough. Even nearly dead, the blood drained from her face. I could see she was stunning her toffee-hued skin reminiscent of the light brown tones of a desert sunset, was prickled with fine freckles, her hair a tangle of box braids. Oh, those are nice, a little fuller than the other one, the woman said of Morgan's lips. I like her hair too, but I don't think the braids would work in my profession. 
you know. She thought for a moment to herself, my daughter is an Instagram influencer. If I'm being honest, she's an obnoxious little bitch who just siphons our money to post inspirational quotes and travel the world. But you know, you have to support them in their endeavors. <laughs> her cackle was artificially cheerful, as though her vocal cords were constructed of hard plastic. Anyway, I bet she would love these braids. Judith had three folders in her arms. Two looked brand new, but one had a bent edge. I would assume from hastily trying to slam it into a desk drawer in preparation for an early guest. I thought back to my early arrival. The woman with the bandaged face. Judith pretending to act faint so she could hide the rogue folder. Judith opened one of them. I'm sorry, anything off of this young lady would have to be done tonight, so your daughter would not be a candidate. Besides, I am afraid these are extensions, which would defeat the purpose of why you're here, as you would want the most organic, authentic experience. You want the hair to take host into your scalp and grow. You don't want regular trips to the clinic for lip and glute injections. You want to own these parts. You want them to be yours as if you were born with them. Judith's tone was inspired. A saleswoman through and through. Well, if you get another head of hair like that, that can be implanted, I'll pay double, so McCarley can have it if she wants. You'll be the first person I call, Judith said with a smile. She glanced up at the clock. We have to hurry. This one is looking exceptionally pallid. Let's look at your glutes quickly. They went over to the final table, where Ileana was resting on her stomach. Wow, the woman giddily exclaimed. Now that is an ass. She poked it and let out an excited squeal. So firm and muscular. I could do squats for years and my ass would never look like that. This is so exciting. She paused and bit her lip. I only have one concern. She's so much darker than me. We couldn't be further apart in skin tone. Judith nodded assuringly. Rest assured, once your transplant has taken and healed you will have the option to tattoo it to match your skin, just like we did with your breasts. And though the breasts were somewhat lighter than this highly melanated specimen, I can assure you we can still get a match. The woman clasped her hands in excitement and giggled. This is great news because I want that donk. Well, let's get you prepped. Judith called the surgeon and within a few minutes, the future recipient of our hair, lips, and ass was unconscious. The number of stateside clients has increased significantly, the doctor noted as a surgical glove snapped against his hand. Mm-hmm, Judith replied, pleased with herself. They are a little more cautious here, as am I. But once they're sold... They practically beg you to take their money. After all, where else are they going to go for this? 
She paced along the room, admiring her operation. Then their friends all get terribly jealous. Once one friend has bigger lips or more curves, exotic hair, they all start flooding in. At that point, it sells itself. She took a few steps towards Morgan. How's lips doing? The doctor sighed. Pulse is weak, but uh, she's still breathing. Her blood is still flowing, which is all I care about right now. We just need to get started. Judith turned towards me, and I continued to play dead. I felt her lift a few locks of hair. Um, let's start with this one. You already know this is the highest ticket item today. The bidding was so fierce, I thought the woman would pull each other's hair out. More money for us, then, the doc quipped, and they had a chuckle. Judith added, I want to ensure that this is our primary focus. Then lips, then buttocks. Does that work in your professional opinion? The donor scalping and suturing to the recipient's skull takes a while, so I prefer to do the lips first, but I'm sure it'll be fine, being as the lips are such a small surface area. His footsteps moved towards Morgan. I need to hurry, though. We can always put her on ice, but you know the success rate is much higher with live donors. You need to stop selling asses first. They barely last long enough after that for me to harvest the rest of their parts. Asses are in high demand, Judith argued. The doctor sucked his teeth. I'm going to use a local on the woman today. I don't want any complications with the tranquilizer and their systems. Whatever works and keeps them down. She replied flippantly, unlike earlier today when you failed to keep them sedated. The doctor huffed. I had to take Flora to equestrian. Susan fucking dropped the ball. Can't you afford a nanny with all that money I pay you? Judith scoffed. Why? So she can continue to poison the kids against me? His instruments clinked along a tray, signaling he was done with the workplace bickering. I'll be back to check in in an hour or so. I peeked just enough to watch as Judith left the room, closing the door behind her. There was now a hole where the knob used to be, so it remained unlocked. My body was overwhelmed with a flight response and yet hopelessly resigned to my fate as I lay bound to the surgical table with thick leather straps. A tear fell down my cheek and I took a gamble in my next move. Doctor, please. I eked. He spun on his heels, holding a loaded syringe. He frowned. Now, don't scream. Or I will put you under and you may never wake up. Please, don't. I begged. He was a surgeon it sounded like he had children. He had to have cared about people once. He had to have taken the Hippocratic Oath. We're good people. We have families. You, you don't have to do this. You're not pass up 500 grand per procedure good, I'm afraid. He stepped towards me. If it makes you feel better, your hair is going to make someone very happy. I hearkened back. To all the times I fretted over it in the mirror. 
How much I wished I had silky, effortless hair like in all the commercials I had watched as a child. How I'd see befores and afters on TV shows or in magazines, depicting hair just like mine as a humiliating burden. How the word bad would be casually thrown around in my presence by adults to describe my unruly mane, as if it were a defect to shun and hide, and not a thread that tied me to ancestors from generations ago. They never had to say the words for me to understand the message. You are abnormal. You are faulty. You are undesirable. You are ugly. The only way you'll be desired is to mold that mess on your head. To tame the wildness. To force it into submission. I felt invisible. And then over the years, this burden of mine had grown into something acceptable, even desirable. And on its face, that was a good thing. But sure enough, as soon as it did, someone wanted to steal it right off of my skull in a human chop shop. I wondered if Ileana ever stormed out of a dressing room in a rage over why nothing fit her thick butt and small waist. I know I did. Or if she was ever mocked for her plump lips. These things that we lived with, we toiled over, that made us feel inadequate, were now novelties for someone else. Exotic rarities that earned top dollar. Would that woman tire of my hair and Ileana's butt and Morgan's lips and swap them out like Mr. Potato Head pieces long after we had given the greatest sacrifice for their vanity? Ileana, Ileana, are you awake? I called out. She opened her eyes, but I saw the resignation, the finality. She wasn't going to make a sound. Now if you say one more word, I will put you under. The doctor pressed through gritted teeth. This won't hurt, I promise. He slogged over to me with a large syringe. I tried to sink my body into the table as if that millionth of a second delay before the needle touched my skin would change anything. I would be stripped of parts like a stolen car and then die an agonizing slow death, and no one would even notice, because I had spent the past year isolating myself. I had friends who cared, and instead of leaning on them, I pulled away. No one knew I was here. No one would know how I died. No one would know that there are people walking amongst them with my stolen parts. I decided then I would scream. I would make it hard for him and Judith. I would make them understand my wrath. All I had left was my voice. But the instant I had declared that verdict, I saw a sight 
almost more horrifying than anything else I had seen that night. The dead rose. Morgan, unrestrained and thought of as too weak to move, sat up. It was slow and quiet like a vampire from a coffin. When she saw my eyes, the confusion, the terror, the hope, she raised one lackadaisical finger to her lips. But I knew I had to do the opposite. I had to keep his eyes and ears on me by talking. Okay, I'll be good, I promise. I won't scream, okay? Just please don't put me to sleep. He seemed pleased. Good, I want you to relax. That'll make it easier for the both of us. I do sympathize with what you're going through, believe it or not. But fighting will only make it worse. If it helps, we can talk during the procedure. No doubt this man was a masterful surgeon, and yet he radiated the energy of a mad scientist, of someone who didn't quite understand the evil he was committing, someone who would be proud to speak about his work, someone whose ego could easily be used against him. He stuck the needle in my scalp. It felt cold at first. And seconds later, numbness spread. Morgan reached and the bandages wrapped around her hips, where her glutes once were, and carefully slipped out the screwdriver I had dropped earlier. Yeah, yeah, we can talk. Uh, how'd you get into this business? Morgan put one bare foot on the floor. Her stability was tenuous. I was certain she would collapse. He chuckled to himself, almost wistfully as he grabbed a scalpel. <laughs> I was Judith's plastic surgeon. She was my top patient. Not only in getting herself surgeries, but she was great with referrals. We used to do the conventional stuff, but she always wanted more. She was never satisfied. Nothing ever looked real enough. I could tell the critique still stung. She would bring in pictures. I want this or that. The truth was, I thought she looked great, but she wanted what she called the real thing. And well, the only way to get that, we had discussed, was to be blessed from the good Lord himself. Then I had an idea. He raised the scalpel to punctuate the moment. Conventional medical ethics wouldn't allow for it, but I had theories about how we could make it work. He stopped himself. Well, I'm just prattling on. Uh, I can't talk to anyone about this as you imagine. Even my wife, ex-wife, doesn't know. I'm sure, I said, anxiously averting my eyes from the corpse-like woman, wobbling 15 feet behind him. Well, obviously your secret's safe with me. <laughs> I hoped that my pandering wouldn't backfire and cause suspicion, but he seemed to move right along. He raised the scalpel towards my head. I didn't feel him cutting the line across my hairline, but I did hear the blade scraping against my skull. 
and squelching sounds as heated things I couldn't see. I was grateful for the numbness. It kept me from completely losing my shit. I was glad for the conversation. It kept me patient as I waited for Morgan, who struggled with every ounce of energy she had left in her body, to even take a single step. We've been doing it for years now. First, we went overseas to small, lightly regulated countries where law enforcement could be paid off or we're all together and different. Help, we could even outright buy girls there, imported from countries where there was a lot of violence so no one would really notice. Congo, Syria, places like that. He recited it all so matter-of-factly. Wealthy clients would fly in, get their procedures done, and fly home. But Judith was sick of all the travel. She looks great, but my work can't keep her insides young. So we brought the operation here. And I'm frankly astonished at how quickly it's caught on. Morgan took a shaky step. I wanted to scream at her like a football coach. Come on, Morgan, push! But I couldn't even encourage her with my eyes and risk bringing attention her way. I'm going to have to turn you on your side to get to the back. He unbuckled one of the restraints, but held on to my wrist. You're going to need to roll on your side, and then I'm going to tie this hand next to the other hand. I have a tranquilizer gun right here and plenty of sedatives to use on top of that. You might not ever wake up from that much sedation, so don't test me. Trust me, I know I'm not getting out of here. He shot a skeptical look at me. Morgan was just a few feet closer, but still had a ways to go. Can uh, I ask you a question? Yes, but quickly. That girl with the lips won't last all night, and we need the flesh as fresh as possible. How did she find me? Did she just randomly spot me at the antiques mall? Judith's comments about a bidding war had made me realize that her plans for me may have extended further back than a chance encounter. The question distracted him from tying up my free hand, which was still restrained by his grip on that wrist. Morgan took another shaky step, still so far away. He pursed his lips and lightly nodded his head to imply it was a good question. It's funny, I usually don't know about these things, but she has had her eyes on you for a while and has mentioned you many times. She saw you getting lunch around where you used to work and knew someone would pay big for you. He patted some white gauze against my head and when he pulled it away, there was a bright red stain in its center. Judith is patient, though. Uh, she noticed you had a boyfriend, and you were always with friends. That means you would be missed. Usually she went for girls who wouldn't be... Those from bad neighborhoods or foster homes. Prostitutes and the like. He paused for a moment, and I heard him return to working on my head. Morgan too tired to take another step, and without her glutes, probably simply mechanically unable, lowered herself to the floor in a controlled slump. The devastation she could no longer proceed was quickly relieved 
as she began to slowly slink on her stomach like a lizard. You were a white whale. Then she saw you weren't going to lunch anymore, and she had someone look into you, hoping she could find a way in. You lost your job, the boyfriend moved out, then you stopped walking your dog. So she figured it was out of the picture, and she decided that would be the perfect time to get you. There would be no trace of you left behind. People would assume you had left or committed suicide, and there wouldn't be an abandoned dog to cause suspicion. He snickered to himself. <laughs> she actually told me she almost ruined it after all that work. She was so excited to finally meet you that she wrote your dog's name on the card she gave you. But later she realized you hadn't actually told her the name. He laughed as if reciting a serendipitous story to a friend. The one restraint still bound to my wrist rattled against the metal bar with a scorn so deep my bones quaked. Judith watched my life fall apart from a distance. And then when I was at my absolute lowest, she offered a little kindness. Like a scared, abandoned dog, I ran to her. You're all fucking savages. All of you. The doctor's relaxed face contorted with anger. He slammed down his scalpel. That's it. I tried to be a nice guy. He turned to grab something behind him, and I was sure he'd see Morgan out of the corner of his eye. I had to buy his time and get the doctor's control off of my wrist while distracting him from Morgan. This was our last shot. As soon as the idea hit me, I rolled my eyes up and began to buck maniacally. The cuff attached to my arm rattled against the metal bar on the gurney and the entire frame shook violently under my weight. I uttered choking sounds and let drool spray out of my mouth. Jesus Christ! He shouted, fuck! I knew he had no concern for my well-being, only that he preferred me alive and still for my dismemberment. With his focus now on me, and the chaos of my foe's seizure covering up the sounds of her movement, Morgan must have found that last store of hope, that final shot of adrenaline, as she picked up her pace. The doctor grabbed a syringe and I used the erratic movement of my fake seizure to slap it out of his hand. Damn it, he growled, bending over to look for it. Son of a fucking bitch. Morgan jammed the screwdriver into the side of his thigh. He shot up fast and his eyes widened so much that I thought they would plunge from their sockets. In shock, he stumbled a few steps back and reached one hand onto the screwdriver handle before yanking it out. He spun to find the source of the assault and found a barely conscious Morgan lying just beside him. You little c- I used my free hand to grab his scalpel off the tray just as he raised the screwdriver to drive it down into Morgan. Hey, Doc, I called out. He turned towards me and in one quick motion, I slid that scalpel across his neck, just like he had mercilessly done to my scalp. Though I felt the slightest resistance of his tissue against the blade, for a second, I thought I had missed when he stared back at me with an intact throat. There was a hush as I held my breath, wondering if I had blown our only shot at escaping.
thin line of dark red suddenly appeared right before my eyes and it thickened as a waterfall of the crimson viscous liquid poured out of his neck. He dropped the screwdriver and collapsed. I pulled off my other restraint and ran over to Ileana to do the same for her. Her eyes welled. Are we really getting out of here? They asked. We turned Morgan over and pleaded for her to wake, but she didn't. Her lips were gray and I knew this time there would be no chance for her. Morgan used the last bit of her life force to save us. I'm sorry, but we have to go. She's gone. I pleaded with as much sensitivity as the situation could allow. I yanked Ileana away from Morgan's body, but she escaped my grasp. And with the screwdriver in hand, she ran towards the sedated woman who had been awaiting our parts. Ileana, no! It was too late. She plunged the screwdriver into the woman's chest, and it let out a sickening, dull thud. Ileana jimmied it out of the thick chest wall with a grunt, the cartilage cracking as the screwdriver loosened, and this time sank it into one of her breasts. Ileana, stop! I ran towards them, but I knew it was too late as the heart monitor started to beat erratically. I let Ileana savage the body as she grabbed a scalpel from the table and slashed the woman's face, legs, and stomach. Tears streamed down her eyes and staccato cries emanated from her chest, trapped inside of her stitched mouth. It was all so fast and frenzied like a ravenous animal desecrating a carcass tearing her apart the way they had done to so many girls who had been forgotten. In one final symbolic coup over the woman's body, Eliana pulled her pale upper lip and carved it off of her face. I gagged as I reached for Eliana's arm, but she shrugged me away. I had done my part. I had gone through the pantomime of mercy. But I understood, and I knew in the most basic sense of justice, an eye for an eye, a breast for a breast, a lip for a lip, that this woman deserved it. Yet, no matter what Ileana did to this woman, she was asleep. She was at peace. She would never experience the pain and horror that we did as we felt an unforgivable betrayal from our fellow woman. We were all disposable so long as her wants were met. A loud gasp came from behind us. I swung my head to face its source and there was Judith standing at the doorway, hand over mouth. A metallic clinking sound behind me rattled along the floor, and I turned to see that Ileana had dropped the scalpel. Her wrath making way for fear. Her decisive, firm grip had dissolved into an impotent, shaky hand. This time, when I looked at Judith, I saw all the dead women fused to her body. 
those creaseless, plump lips, her thick, dark hair, her robust curves, the things she had stolen to cover up the rotted soul inside of her. Each part represented dead, forgotten girls, women no one cared about enough to notice when they had gone missing, women who the police would assume had run away or had it coming because of where they were from or how they made a living, women desperate for money, affection, family, women whose most valued assets were their body parts and what pleasure they could bring to some other person who had greater perceived value. It was my turn to be the one filled with rage. You disgusting old bitch, I growled, lunging forward. She ran like a coward and screamed a new commanded emerald. Kill! After a few loud footfalls, Emerald burst into the room just as her owner scurried down the stairs. Ileana screamed through her clenched mouth as the bitch barreled towards us, and acting on pure instinct, I grabbed the tranquilizer gun lying on the table beside me and fired. Emerald pounced on me and chomped on my forearm when I raised it to protect my face. Ileana kicked at me, who was too deep in the red to feel her. But within seconds, her feral attack went limp. If it wasn't for the blood dripping from her mouth, she'd have looked like a sleeping angel. Together, we pushed the heavy dog off of me. Ileana haphazardly wrapped my chewed-up arm, and we made a run for it. The door was wide open, and as we ran towards it, we saw the taillights of a car speeding down the driveway. That thieving psycho had gotten away. I looked at Ileana, not sure what to do next. And she dangled a pair of Mercedes keys in front of my face. The doctor's car. I grabbed them. Though I wasn't in great shape myself, Ileana could hardly walk without assistance, and we hopped into the silver car. I sped away, feeling outside of myself, barely able to focus on the dark road ahead. My injured arm rested on the center console as I white-knuckled the steering wheel with the opposite hand. When we screeched past the gate and onto the main road, I adjusted the rearview mirror and unveiled a startling reflection. My scalp was peeled back a quarter of the way, exposing my skull. I wish I could explain what it feels like to look in the mirror and feel as though you were disconnected from your own body. I still couldn't feel a thing on my skull and so my mind simply could not accept the fact that that was me in the mirror, that I had been scalped. I slowly raised my injured hand to the exposed wet bone, and when I felt it under my fingertips, I released a hollow breath, a silent scream. Ileana grunted loudly and pulled the steering wheel. I looked up and saw... We were swerving off the road, but she had overcorrected and we tumbled down a ravine. You may think that fear is finite. That you can only get so frightened before it's all the same dreadful rush. But no, there are levels and shades 
and the combinations are endless. As we toppled down and our bodies rattled like pinballs, I felt a new cocktail. By the time I had been stable enough to talk to the police, days had passed. Believe me, I tried through drug-induced hazes to plead for the police. At least that's what a nurse told me. I remember nothing. The police visited my room when the hospital felt I was stable. They sat patiently as I told them every last detail. I explained the urgency of the matter, how she could be anywhere in the world. Judith was evil and needed to be stopped before she could find another doctor to corrupt. Ileana could confirm it all, I told them. The detectives looked at each other uncomfortably. We're uh, sorry, but she didn't make it. Uh, it was hours before someone had even spotted the accident. She passed away at the scene. The bed shook as I sobbed. She couldn't be dead. That's not how the story ends. She couldn't have survived all that to die alone on the side of the road like roadkill. Listen, Sarai, I want you to know we are taking this investigation very seriously. In fact, while you were recovering, we learned of the doctor because the car you crashed was registered to him. We found the house you were held in. Relief came over me as I realized that perhaps they were going to tell me they had located Judith. And we did some of what you spoke of. He hesitated, and I wasn't sure if he wanted me to say something. Some? We found the doctor, and he was dead, just as you described. We found the instruments he used on you. We found the other girl, Morgan. Her autopsy lines up with what you told us. Even the dog was there, still unconscious when we arrived. But there was no trace of this woman. Judith. That house was owned by the doctor. That dog was also his uh, companion he got for himself after his divorce. And as we speak, we have a team digging up the property. We have already found bodies. You're right about there being other victims. But up until now, there is no evidence he had any help. That middle-aged blonde woman you said Ileana attacked? There was no such person at the scene. There is no evidence anyone other than the doctor and his dog was with you and the two other women. You have to check his old patient records. Judith, I realized I did not know her last name. Are you saying I'm lying? His eyes were sympathetic and I felt his pity. No. Absolutely not. I'm just hoping that maybe by presenting these facts to you, I can provide some clarity. You went through a lot that night. You hit your head pretty severely. I'm only saying that I'm going to have to look all this over again. He took a long breath and softened his posture. The doctor had quit his practice years ago had just gone through a long, drawn-out divorce and custody battle and 
had become pretty isolated. We spoke to colleagues, neighbors. He had grown increasingly unhinged and lost his practice. He also had a rough divorce in a previous marriage. It's possible he was taking out his anger on women. No, this was a business. We were being stripped for parts. I almost cringed at myself when I said it. I knew I sounded crazy. I knew it sounded medically impossible. I knew he didn't believe me. And I realized Judith had done to the doctor what she had done to me. She made him think they were a team. But she monopolized on his isolation. Not only was he her surgeon, but he would be her scapegoat when the need arose. I realized that she probably wouldn't be in his old records because, of course, her real name wasn't Judith. That would be incredibly reckless for someone who was such a meticulous planner. I insisted he go to the antique store, ask the person who worked there about the gift she had given me. He said he would, but when he left, I realized he could explain it all away. That mystery woman's image had somehow imprinted and when I was kidnapped by this crazed serial killer doctor who mutilated women of color for fun, I had snapped. My brain couldn't accept that this man wanted to torture me just for the thrill. So it brewed this half-cocked story, a reason behind all the madness. What about the woman who Ileana killed? Maybe her family would report her missing but she could have come from anywhere in the country. Would the dots ever be connected? Would her family fight for answers? Or would her globe-trotting daughter just be grateful she was gone so she could inherit everything? When the bodies were all found, Dr. Ziegler, the man I killed, was labeled the parts collector. The lore took on its own life, especially because... There were still so many unanswered questions. No one could figure out how he got the girls. They presumed he either snatched them or lured them with the promise of cheap plastic surgery. Can you believe that? The media had spun it to make these poor innocent girls look like they were willing to follow this shady doctor to their deaths. The victims had slowly been spun to look like they were the architects of their own demise that it was their vanity that had led them to him. Many of the victims were sex workers, so it was easy to believe that they would be suckers for cheap cosmetic surgery. The detective insists he believes me, but can't prove the woman exists. I'm not convinced he really does. And Judith? Well, she may as well be a ghost. I had been offered money to tell my story as the parts collector's only survivor. But I'm not ready to be a spectacle. Someone tried to consume my body, and I won't let curious onlookers consume my trauma for their entertainment. They will all pity me and insist I have lost my mind, or maybe they'll hate me for it. It'll be the source of endless internet debate. Until I'm no longer a person, but an avatar of a victim.
my experience will be told like it's a campfire story and not like the people inside of it were once flesh and bone. But I know she was real. I still see that picture of Ileana in my head. It helps me imagine who she was before this horrible fate fell upon her. It also reminds me that I failed her. Maybe someday I will be able to tell the story when I am strong enough to stand tall in the face of endless doubters. Then I can tell people how hard Ileana and Morgan fought to survive. Maybe it will help me forgive myself. No matter how much therapy I do, no matter how many times I revisit that day, no one will convince me that Judith didn't exist. I still keep the little dog carving she bought me. The only physical evidence I have that she and I crossed paths. I hate that it looks so much like Blanche. That woman stained the purest love I have ever had. Now, whenever I see a woman on TV or in person who looks like the hand of a doctor had something to do with her impossibly full lips or pert breasts, I wonder if they are wearing those girls. I wonder if she's still out there, befriending the lonely, the poor, the forgotten, and whittling them down part by part before discarding the waste.